Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, and welcome to another session of Visibilities, Visually Impaired Seniors' Abilities. My name is Terry Pacheco, and we have another good show lined up for you tonight on a, certainly a very current topic throughout the nation, and that's everyone's voting for, uh, for our next president of the United States. And I want to introduce um, Claire Stanley. Let me just say first, we're going to cut this call a little bit short tonight because at 8 o'clock is the uh, ACB board meeting. And some of us want to jump off of here and jump on there. And um, I think the Republican convention starts at 8.30. So it's a tight night tonight. So if we leave about five minutes early, don't be surprised. But at the same time, I want to make sure that everyone remembers to come back next week because we're having a Labor Day party and a barbecue and some games and fun and looking forward to seeing everybody for that. You'll hear about it all week because we're, there's a group of us that are really excited about it. And with that, I am going to hold off for just one second. There she is. Claire, I've unmuted you, and hopefully you're unmuted now. And I want to thank you for coming to speak with us all tonight on voting 2020. And Claire Stanley is, for anyone who may not know, she is Director of Advocacy in the American Council of the Blinds National Office. And welcome, Claire. Well, thank you, Terry. It's great to be here tonight. Thank you for the invitation. Um, just just a clarification, Terry, would you like me to speak the whole time or should I leave some time open for questions? Um, let's try to get some, some time in for questions. Um, Perfect. I, I, I know I told you that I would try and let you out of here by 7.30. Let's hope that all the questioners agree <laughs> with that as well. <laughs> no problem. Um, so Terry asked me to talk about voting, which is a very weighted word these days, obviously with the November presidential election coming up. And then on top of that with COVID-19, which really um, accelerated our advocacy for absentee voting. Um, but most of us know that for the most part, absentee voting is not accessible, um, but we obviously want it to be. So we've been doing a lot of work on voting. So Clark Rockbell, um, my colleague, who's the director of advocacy and governmental affairs, he and I joke that we eat, sleep and breathe voting these days. It's what we do all the time. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the U.S. right now. Um, this Pretty much every state is different. There is very little consistency across the board. So what I say for one state probably is not what's going on in another state, um, which is really important why um, you should pay attention to what's going on in your own state. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about some of the resources that ACB is um, has already put out and is well working on so that you guys can have resources to be able to do your homework and know what you can do or can't do in your own state. So... Yeah, so I'll just jump in. I wanted to talk about some of the big, um, some cases, some legislation that we've seen to impact accessible voting. Um, 
uh, within the country. And then I'll step back for a second. So I'm going to start with the excess, or excuse me, absentee voting, because I think that's really the big, big issue that's on most people's mind. But then after I talk about a few states litigation slash legislation, then I'll take a step back and talk more about just general voting, because it's important to know that if you don't want to vote via absentee ballot, we still have um, traditional voting that is accessible according to HAVA and the ADA. So I'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, I just wanted to go over some some big, you know, more current stuff that's gone on. So uh, we, ACB, as well as other advocacy groups, have been working really hard in 2019 to 2020 to work on accessible absentee voting. It's something we cared about pre-COVID, you know, absentee voting is becoming so popular anyway. It almost seems like some states are going to completely do a 180 and go completely absentee. So because of that, we want to make sure it's accessible. But obviously, COVID-19 very much so accelerated the issue because now most of us, including myself, we don't want to go and vote in person because we don't want to put ourselves at risk. Um, So uh, absentee voting as a a result really um, came to the forefront. So um, We like to joke that hopefully this will be the silver lining of COVID, that something good will come out of it in the voting space. So knock on wood, we'll see what happens. Um, One of the states that we've really seen some great work done in is West Virginia. So I know Donna's on the call. Go Donna in West Virginia. Um, We have a great legal ally in D.C. with the Washington Lawyers Committee. It's a nonprofit law firm that ACB has been working with for something like seven years now, I think. And they helped us, along with Shepard Mullen, another um, law firm, to advocate in the state of West Virginia to get accessible absentee ballots. And so the way we started it was very friendly, very cordial and said, knock, 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 Secretary of State, we want to work with you guys um, to make absentee voting accessible for people who are blind as well as other disabilities in the state of West Virginia. And to tell you the truth, they did not respond well at first. We almost thought we were going to go all the way to litigation. But after enough pushing and prodding, I think they saw the writing on the wall and didn't want to get sued. And so they agreed to um, the creation of legislation that would allow for accessible absentee voting. And the reason we um, did it, we were able to be so successful in West Virginia is because West Virginia, like many states out there, have something called the UACAVA program. And it is a program that allows people who live abroad, especially military, but also overseas civilians, um, to vote electronically. And so we were able to cling on to that and say, well, if military members can vote abroad why, if, via an electronic process, why can't we use that same electronic process to let people who are blind or low vision vote? Um, so we were able to cling on that, and it was a good good argument. And we were able to work with West, West Virginia, and they... Um, brought forth new legislation. It's uh, Senate Bill 94, and it was officially signed into law by the governor in um, February, March, and they now have uh, a piece of law that says you can vote absentee. The really exciting thing about West Virginia is that in the states where um, there is an accessible form of absentee voting, which we see now, I can talk in a second about Massachusetts, they just passed a piece of law that says you have to be able to vote excessively via absentee ballot. But kind of the distinct distinction is that, for instance, in Massachusetts, it says you can vote electronically, you get the b- ballot emailed to you or you download it, you can fill it out online or electronically, 
but you still have to print it out, put it in an envelope, address the envelope and put it in the mail. And I don't know about you guys, but I find that still pretty frustrating and inaccessible because I can't make on an envelope by myself. What if I print it out and there's no ink and I don't know? There's so many implications there. Um, so that's, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's the first step. California has been doing that for a long time. So it is accessible. It's just not fully accessible. But with West Virginia, the way the language is stated currently leaves room, leaves wiggle room. So the way that it's worded, um, it leaves room there to say that you could potentially, once the technology gets there, submit your vote electronically. Unfortunately, with most of the options out there right now, there isn't a way to um, securely submit your vote electronically. But because of the way the law is worded, knock on wood, when the technology finally exists, it leaves a room for that to be a possibility. So it's a huge win for the blind community because once the technology gets there in West Virginia, we might actually be able to download the ballot, fill out the ballot, and forward back our ballot filled out all electronically. And that's huge. So that's something really exciting. So um, that, that was a big win for us. And so hopefully we'll see that going forward in other states. Like we said, we see in states like Massachusetts now, um, Kim Charlson and the Bay State, they did some great advocacy. And they now have um, accessible absentee ballots. But again, like a lot of states, you can download the ballot electronically, you can fill out the ballot electronically, but you still got to print it out and put it in an envelope and mail it back. Um, so that's a big thing. That's what we're seeing in a lot of states. We see it in California, um, other states. So, you know, it's, I think it's a good first step, but at least me personally, I hope to see progress over the next several years. Um, just a few other states. I won't talk all day about all the litigation we're doing because we've have so many, but we're doing a lot of work in the state of Virginia right now. Um, we actually paired up with um, the NFB affiliate of Virginia as long, along with our uh, Virginia affiliate. And we are in the process of signing a consent decree. So success there. We made some great movement in the state of New York. So a lot's going on. So um we are hoping to develop a spreadsheet of kind of the status of every state on where they stand with absentee voting versus just in-person voting and that kind of thing. Um, it's not going to happen overnight because there are a lot of states, but I was on a call today with other advocacy organizations and we've decided we're going to pair up and develop a spreadsheet with the status of uh, absentee voting for every state. So keep a lookout for that. We actually, we being Clark and myself developed the what we're calling the voting toolkit. So if you go to acb.org slash voting, the toolkit will come up and the toolkit has everything you need to know from soup to nuts about voting. And that's a good transition for me into the next um, part. So when I say soup to nuts, it's because we literally have a kind of more legalese explanation of voting on the toolkit from how you can register to vote all the way through voting in person or voting via absentee and that kind of thing. And we talk about what pieces of law apply and what rights we have as persons who are blind or visually impaired under those laws for each different segment of the voting process. So again, if you go to acb.org slash voting, you can read all all those different sections. So the first part, of course, we all know that when you guys go to vote in November, you always have the right to vote in person. And that's something that was the product of a few different things. 
First of, first, of course, you had the Voting Rights Act of 65. Now, that one didn't call for accessible voting, but what it did was it said that people with disabilities had the right to get assistance to register to vote um, So and to get help to ma- mark your ballot. Obviously not ideal, but at least something was happening in the 60s. But then the big jump was in AHAVA, the Help America Vote Act in 2002, where they required... Um, to have accessible voting machines. And I'm assuming most of you guys have used them before. I think a lot of us have the accessible voting machines. You have to have large print as well as text to speech. Um, There's all kinds of models. Some have better reputations than others, um, but we see those. And so your voting place has to have those under HAVA. And under HAVA, you have to have the volunteers, the poll volunteers have to know how to work them, which again, I know is not always the case. I know when I voted in my last election, I had a momentary moment of panic because the adorable older couple who was working my poll site started bickering back and forth to each other because they didn't know how to turn on the accessible voting machine. So um, always, always interesting. And those are the kinds of stories that Clark and I want to hear. So let us know. Um, if you have any instances like that. But because of the ADA and HAVA and the Voting Rights Act of 65, when it comes to in-person voting, that's pretty standard now. Again, it's not it's not easy. Not all machines are super um, user-friendly or that kind of thing, but that should be more upfront. And again, you can read through that process on our website at acb.org slash voting. Um, Now, again, we're moving toward more absentee voting. Um, And even pre-COVID, I know a lot of locations are just going that way, period. Um, I live in Rockville, Maryland, in Montgomery County. And for our last election, they actually just automatically sent out a paper ballot to everybody because their goal was to try to get a higher rate of participation for the city elections. So we're even seeing, you know, not even having the choice to vote in person um, or by default, they give you a paper ballot, but if you can't vote via paper ballot, then they expect you to come and vote in person, which is clearly unequal access, you know, requiring something of you that other people don't have to do. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, so those are kind of the big things with the laws. Um, another thing we are seeing, though, the pushback when we're advocating for accessible absentee voting is the security argument. So a lot of the the security arguers, I'll call them, um, claim that there is no true way to submit your ballot electronically without creating some kind of security risk. So they say, whether it be going through a server or email, if you were to send your vote back in, it could be... um, captured, it could be uh, manipulated, all kinds of different things. I'm not a computer scientist, so I don't understand all the minutia. But basically, they argue that there is no secure way to do it. And as a result, it shouldn't be done. In fact, some of the most um, stringent security arguers don't even think we should have the some of the basic forms of electronic voting or even our, elect- our voting machines because the only way to be truly, truly, truly secure is to vote old school by paper. Um, now, of course, we disagree with that. And because of HAVA, they can't make that claim. Um, but that's something that as we advocate for absentee ballots, we are constantly running into that wall of the security arguers that, you know, we can't do it. And Clark and I always make the argument that 
well, what if you did everything purely by paper? You know, somebody could stuff the old school ballot box with extra votes. So, of course, no system is perfect. We get that. But when we advocate, we have to say, you know, nothing's perfect, but we at least have to find something that's, you know, pretty good and that will make it accessible for everybody at the end of the day. Because we can't forget about um, equal access um, in, you know, being replaced by security arguments because that makes it unequal. So that's a big thing for us. Um, so why should you vote? Voting is important. I feel like I don't need to say that to you guys. You guys all know that. But I just heard a statistic um, yesterday that I want to share because it was really compelling. Um, the statistic I heard was that if all persons with disabilities had access to voting, we would have had 2.2 million more votes in the last election. So that many people with disabilities, for whatever reasons, were disenfranchised and couldn't get to the polling places, whether it be in person or absentee. So if you think about it, if 2.2 million more Americans would have voted in the last presidential election, the outcome could have been really different. I mean, I can only speculate, um, but I have a feeling it would have looked very different. So we really need to empower um, people with disabilities to get out to the vote, um, to know their rights under the different laws and to know their choices. Um, ACB is now part of a newly formed coalition called the National Coalition of Accessible Voters. Um, and it, we're working with groups like the National Council on Independent Living, um, United Spinal, Autism Self-Advocacy Network, so just a lot of the usual suspects in the advocacy world. And we're doing a lot of work to advocate for accessible voting in every way, shape, and form. We obviously really geared up this year in light of the November election, but we've already talked about the fact that we're not going to stop after this November election. We're going to keep going because elections aren't going anywhere, and we want to keep advocating. So we've done a few things. Um, we're constantly writing letters to Congress to advocate for different issues. Um, we're also developing kind of a, a, a list or a, a best practices of what needs people with disabilities have for elections. Um, we've created a website. It's pretty bare bones right now, but we'll share that on the toolkit. So if you guys want to see what we start to do. Um, but we're also just, again, acting as a coalition to get the word out there about these different issues. So it's been a, a pretty important, empowering group for ACB to be a part of to talk about these different issues. Um, and one of the things that the uh, a subgroup of the coalition right now is doing is creating a how-to pamphlet on how you can vote. And it walks through, again, all the different options. So it's going to say, if you live in state A, if you want to vote absentee, you can do X. If you want to vote in person, you can do Y. And it kind of gives you this step-by-step -step process um, because it's really important for you to know that you have to, for instance, check when it's too late to register to vote. If you're not already registered to vote, you have to check when the deadline is to uh, vote ahead of time if your state has um, early voting, which for instance, my state of Maryland, we do have early voting. Um, so things like that. So we're going to have a, a step-by-step -step process for people um, to know what they need to do depending on what form of voting they're choosing to do for the November election. So when we have that pamphlet completely developed, we'll also put that again out on the voting toolkit at acb.org. Um, so we encourage everybody to, to check that out.
Um, we've really been stressing to everybody that you need to do your homework. Um, we've obviously seen, and I won't try to get too political, um, but we've obviously seen, for instance, with the postal scare, that our voting could very much so be impacted in all different ways, shapes, and forms. So as a result, we've been telling people, do your homework now. Find out if you want to vote um, in person. Can you vote ahead of time? What, what are the dates? What are the times? What are the locations? Figure that out now. If you want to vote via absentee ballot, how do you do it? If you vote absentee ballot, do you really want to send your envelope back in the mail if you're nervous about that? Can you deliver your, your ballot in person? Because some places you can, some places you can't, some you can, but you have to go to the board of elections, not the polling place. So all that to say, we're just encouraging people to do your homework. Um, I was really pleased. I did my homework this past weekend and typed mine in. And Maryland has a really nice step-by-step -step process where it asked me for my name and zip code. And when I typed it in, it told me the whole process. I'm sure not every state's that way, but do your homework, see what's available. Um, if you have any problems with it, let us know at the national office. We'd be happy to help you do that homework. But we're just really stressing to people, don't wait until November 3rd and then go, oh, yeah, I guess I should vote. But know what you're doing ahead of time. Because again, we've all seen, for instance, with the Postal Service scare that things are just looking a little different this year than we ever would have anticipated. Um, yeah, I think I, I feel like I've been rambling for a while, but that's kind of from soup to nuts, absentee voting versus voting in person. Check out our website. Let us know if you have any questions. Oh, and one other thing, uh, you don't have to remember now, but Clark and I are going to announce it closer to the actual November election. I don't call me a skeptic, but I'm a realist. We have a feeling November is not going to be perfect. So what Clark and I want to do is come November, we want to take declarations or testimonials from people. So if anything goes wrong from the smallest to the biggest, we just want you guys to write us little blurbs and say, you know, I tried to go to my polling place and X happened, or I tried to vote absentee and Y happened. We want to get declarations. So as you're planning your voting process and you're trying to figure things out and come November 3rd, take note of what happened, good or bad, but especially bad, unfortunately, we want to hear because we want to use those as a tool for future ongoing advocacy. Um, yeah, so I can take any questions now on voting. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. The hands are going up. <laughs> uh, Illinois Council of the Blind, whoever you are, you may unmute and ask your question or make your comment. Oh, oh it's uh, Ray Campbell, but I was on the wrong account. <laughs> I was on I, that's, the, I, Ray, that's I, happened to me. This is Donna, and I've come <laughs> in as Mountain State Council many times. Yeah, I forgot to hit the auto. <laughs> I forgot to hit the sign out on it. Anyway, um, so a comp. <laughs> Comment and a question. Uh, my comment would be uh, that if you're going to choose to vote in person, which I personally am going to do, but I know that's not for everyone. Uh, but if you're not sure what procedures your authorities are going to be using for polling places, uh, please you know, contact them and ask them. They should be. They should tell you that. And if uh, you're not comfortable, then you know go another direction. Question for you, Claire. What what do you do? What in general is the process that you're finding in the various states for a blind person to let the election authorities know that they need an accessible ballot? Because that's what we're trying to figure out as part of our work here in Illinois. You know, that's the frustrating. That's a really good question, right? And the frustrating thing is there is no consistency. Um, everybody, every place seems to do it really differently, and so. 
again, not to sound like a broken record, but that's why we're telling people to do their homework and do it early um, because there just doesn't seem to be any consistency. Um, so, you know, go online, check out the board of elections for your county, see what they're doing. Um, and if you have any issues, let Clark and myself know, cause we'd be happy to help. But unfortunately there is not an easy one size fits all answer. Okay, we have several hands raised. Chris Coulter, you are allowed to unmute and talk. Yes, I think that the easiest way to, to work with this question is that um, I'm, I'm looking at the four options of um, voting in person, voting by mail itself. I'm from the state of Washington and we have voting by mail, voting by absentee and putting your ballot in a drop box once you've voted. Of those four, which one is from highest is best and lowest is pretty much least, least recommended? Ooh, that's tough. I hate to make judgment calls because those are definitely judgment calls. Um, well, as far as security or, you know, just, just certain issues that, that have come up around it. I mean, I think a lot of people will tell you as far as accessibility goes to know that you are truly going to be able to do it accessibly. Going to the poll place is at least... Fortunately, unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, is going to be the most foolproof for access reasons at this point in time. But then again, because of COVID, you shouldn't have to. If you don't want to <laughs> right. expose yourself, you shouldn't have to yeah. expose yourself. Um, so then depending on your state and its absentee voting process, that's, you know, various from state to state. Um, a lot of people have been recommending if you do vote um, absentee, dropping it off in person has been recommended repeatedly in groups I've heard of. So instead of sending it back via the mail, again, because of the postal um, issues, again, I don't want to get political, but because of all that, um, people have been recommending dropping your your envelope back at a, again, it could either be a polling place or a board of elections office. You need to do your homework to see what your county requires. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had not heard anything about the, the voting in or drop, um, delivering the ballots in person in Washington, but I will do my homework on that one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. When I used to live in California, we could do that. You could get your absentee ballot, fill it out, and then instead of putting it back in the mail, just walk it into a polling place and drop it off. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, our next person. And can I add something in? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. And can okay. I add something in on the drop boxes? We, sure. Claire and I happen to live in the same county. Claire, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's an interesting piece that came out today from tonight from the county executive that looks like it, it almost sounds like there's going to be online some online balloting. Oh, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, there look, is in look, Washington. Look there is in Washington, but you have to be able to sign your name um to the to the uh, on the on a printed ballot after you've you know you print the ballot out and then you have to yeah, sign Yeah, I don't know what this is really it, it yeah. just talks about a dual authentication so you may or may not need to do it with that. Um but the the issue of drop boxes I just happen to think that, you know, with everything that's been talked about and that about the post office, I think the Dropbox idea is very good. I know we have that. We're having that in Montgomery County. And I happen to have a Dropbox five houses from my from my house. Yeah, we have we have one within walking distance it's, as well. But yeah. And it's yeah. something that I think is very good for um, 
uh, you know, for people to check on to find out where is your nearest Dropbox. One of the things I know with ours is that they were going to put them in locations where there were video cameras so that they could constantly be monitored, that they wouldn't be uh, vandalized. That I so think that's them with ballots. Um, that I think that's true here too, in yeah. in Centralia, that's, Washington. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thanks, and thanks for your call. Thank uh, you. Mm-hmm. Before we go any further, I I hate to do this, but I'm going to just for the because of the time thing. Would anyone who's got their hand raised, please, for a minute? Um, for one thing, I would very much like. Um, Carol from, any, let me let me rephrase this. I'd like Carol from Maine and anyone from any other state that has any kind of accessible voting to raise your hands so we can hear about any other states before we go on any further. I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Car- um, Donna, Carol is two oh seven. That's what I thought. Okay, Carol. So you 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 can unmute. Yep. That's what I thought. (laughs) Hi, sorry about that. Um, Yes, um, this is Carol and I am in Maine. And Donna, I am terribly embarrassed. I don't have that in the email, the information I sent you. So I'm going to have to ask you to pass that on because I don't have access to that right right now. I will say that Maine has done a lot um, for making accessible uh, voting really a priority. Our governor just extended the by a week the um, the time that you can re- request um, absentee ballot. We have, and I would strongly suggest, and I think it probably would be true in other states, to be in touch with the town that you live in. Um, our town, they will take an, a request for an absentee ballot over the telephone. Um, and um, get the information and, you know, that kind of thing. And they send about in October, beginning of October. But I, as I said, Donna, I, I don't have that information right in front of me. So if you could share that, I would be, I would be really pleased. Thank you. As okay. I, 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 don't, I don't know that I'm supposed to be the one to share, <laughs> but that's okay. Okay. As I understand it, Maine has put in an accessible voting um, laws within the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I I don't yeah. know the oh, okay. I don't know the specifics, but I know Maine was one of the successful ones that came out very recently. Yeah. Well, Sheila is on. The Sheila, call. yes, Our, and she has her hand raised. And I, if you want to allow her to talk, go ahead, Sheila. Let's hear about Florida. Good evening, everybody. Hi, Claire. How are you? Good. Tell us about Florida. You guys have been doing awesome stuff. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> um, we actually are, are taking a step in the right direction. We did have a lawsuit, and the um, outcome was five counties agreed to do a pilot program. And what that is, is and um, that one question about the um a way to, to find out if you need the accessible vote by mail or not. Our supervisor of elections created a form and he sent them to send it to me so I could look at it. I've got to send it out to all of the Orange County uh, members that we have. But um, so 
We're doing the online. It's accessible. It's an email. You'll be able to fill it out. You do have to print it out because Florida is never going to go electronic uh, ballot, I don't believe. And But the good thing about our county is you get the the absentee ballot sent to you and then the envelope that comes with your packet is what you put your printed accessible ballot back into to mail it back. So you don't have to um, fill out a different uh, envelope or anything. So that that's really a good thing for us. But like I said, we have five counties and the the lawsuit said by March 22, all 67 counties have to have the accessible vote by mail. Fila, do you know, I know one of the other um, frustrations slash legitimate complaints with um, printing out your own um, ballot and, and putting it in the envelope is you have to sign it. And so I know California, at least certain counties in California, apparently had in their envelope two punched out dots, you know, apart from each other. And you knew you felt the the two punched out mm-hmm. dots and you signed oh, your wow. name between them. <laughs> yeah. Do you, mm-hmm. Does Florida have anything like that to show you where to sign? Our supervisor of elections, we had a meeting with him the other day and he actually said what they're thinking about doing is putting one of those stickers on it that, you know, like a peel off sticker thing. Mm-hmm. And you would sign in that peel off sticker. Okay. So I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah, it's fun to see the creativity mm-hmm, people come mm-hmm. up with for that. Yeah. Yeah. They're really trying to work with it. And and like I said, we have five counties that are Miami Dade, Orange, uh, Nassau, Pinellas, and Volusia. So those are the five counties that are, are taking it by the taking the bull by the horns. So. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for your presentation, Claire. Oh, thanks. Thank you very much, Sheila. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm running a few minutes over, so we've got about five more minutes before I really want to let Claire go. So if anybody else does have any other questions, you could now raise your hand. Yeah, Abraham um, has his hand raised. So, Abraham, you may unmute and talk. Yeah, um, just going back to the uh, state voting for a minute, I went online to the uh, voting website to register and i'm noticing a lot of times they're asking you for like a um scanned id so i'm just wondering what the best best way to like scan a physical id to the application is if that makes any sense um do you mean you have to like scan in your id to register to vote yeah like it asks you like uh do you have an id for the model register or something like that oh i'm not familiar with that that um if you want to contact me offline, we can investigate okay. that together because I'm not okay. familiar how Massachusetts has you do it online. So okay, okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have Diane with a hand raised. Diane, you may unmute and talk. Yes. Um, something I've always been curious about. Um, the I keep hearing stories about how um, absentee ballots are rejected because of the signature. Mm-hmm. on the ballot not matching uh what what y- your signature was when you first registered yeah so my question is i'm one of these people that probably doesn't sign the same way twice and you know does that mean that maybe my vote isn't counted and that how- is 
that is one of the fears. That's one of the complaints, for lack of a better word I'll use, um, for that policy of having to sign. That's a big fear in the disability community, both for those of us who are blind, as well as people who have maybe like dexterity issues. Um, I don't know any like put out their obvious statistics on that. You know, nobody says we threw away X amount of ballots. So unfortunately, I don't have any raw numbers to to show how true or not true that is. But that is a very common concern and something we always um, bring to the table when we're advocating because it's a very legitimate fear. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> we have one more hand raised. Pam Coffey, you allowed? Yes, I'll make it very brief. Please send someone to Alabama. We, as far as accessible vote, voting goes, we're still in the dinosaur age. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> we will definitely think of you, Alabama. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I really appreciate what you all are doing. Thank you. All right. Well, Claire, we've run seven minutes over, but hopefully you'll have time to at least take a deep breath before the board meeting. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I just want to reiterate again, I'm sure we'll send something out over the various listservs in November to remind you. But as you're registering to vote, getting absentee ballots, just literally from soup to nuts with voting, write down stories of your experiences. You know, is the website not accessible? Was the poll worker not helpful? Just everything and anything. Clark and I really want to create a, a repository of stories for our advocacy. So let us know, email us, write stories down, that kind of thing. So let me, you. Tell you, let me tell you a very quick thing. For yeah. this call tonight, last week, I, um, you know, we watched the Democratic convention and they kept telling you to text to 30330 until we were blue in the face of listening to it. <laughs> um, I did that. I, vote, I, I sent a text to vote. What I sent it was vote. How do blind people, how can blind people vote? And I got no reply. Ooh. Yes. Good to know. And I've sent a text and I sent a text to the RNC and I've gotten no response from them either. Terry, mm. Terry, Terry. Yes, it's Debbie. Debbie. I just wanted to add, I am in Alabama and I have been enjoying an accessible voting machine each election. And I'm really, really grateful for that. So really? I don't think we're always only in the dinosaur age, even in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You two need to move into the same county, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that, Debbie. And Claire, thanks again for being with us this evening. We appreciate it very much. Oh, of yeah. course. Thank you, everybody. That was awesome. <laughs> awesome, Claire. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. Well, I don't know if anybody has any other questions. Please feel free to raise your hands. Any other comments? I know the only one that I have is that I think it's incredibly uh, important for all of us to get our vote out. Whichever, whoever you're voting for, I think that it's important just for us. You know, if you want to go to the polls, at least you're being seen there. And it's it's giving it's making a statement by going. If you want to do absentee or mail in, um, that's important, too. If you go to a Dropbox 
um, to put in an absentee or a mail-in vote, you know, you're being seen. Maybe it's by the guy that's sitting monitoring the box in some uh, little back room over over a camera. But I think we need to make ourselves be known. We are a small, though we are important, we are a small number of people. And I think this coalition that Claire spoke about gives us gives us a bigger a bigger. I'm just going to say a bigger mouth, um, a bigger, maybe a bigger seat at the table. And I think we need that. And with that, I will be quiet. And I see that there's at least it, one. Hand up. There's three. Three. Go for it, Donna. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Carol, I assume that's you. Area code 207. So, if that is you, you, well, whoever 207 is, you can unmute and talk. Yes, it's me. Um, okay. yes, I had a question um, for other folks. When I voted in the primary, um, I went, a friend brought me to the um, voting play town hall and she helped me vote. And I wondered if, because I've always done absentee, whatever, what if I wanted to vote in person, can I, will they allow me to bring someone with me that I to help me is that an option for folks or is it not always an option what i have found is that it varies by state um i know for instance when we lived in massachusetts i would help my husband i would help my husband and fill out his ballot for him uh, when we moved to maryland they said no it has to be one of the poll workers has to do it so i think that can vary from state to state yeah, in West Virginia, you, you can have, you know, if, if somebody's with you, if that's the person you want to assist, they have to sign a paper, um, and, mm -hmm. you know, as well as I sign, you know, agreeing that they are the ones assisting me to vote. Um, but if you go by yourself and you need assistance, then it has to be uh, right. two poll workers, one from each party. But ever since we've had the accessible machines, that's I use those all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Okay, uh, Ray, I'm assuming that's you from Illinois. <laughs> okay, that's okay. It is me. Um, just two real quick comments. One is, one is um, certainly let Clark and Claire know of your voting experience, particularly if you have any issues when you vote. But also make sure you contact your local election authority and let them know if what experience you had because that way like terry said number one they then they know what we actually do vote and number two they can get those problems resolved and the second thing i would say is we got the big national election coming up but don't forget probably around the corner after that you're going to have local elections and make sure you're out voting in those two because the local government is the one that tears up sidewalks and does all those nasty things for us. We need to vote for the vote for or against them too. Very good point. Thanks, Ray. Okay. Uh, Karen Campbell from another part of the house, I'm assuming. Karen, you may unmute. Karen? Okay. Karen, you can unmute. There you go. There yep. I am. You got it. Um, Hi, I just want to make a comment and I'm making it I think in my role as co-chair of the SASE committee, some of these so, some of these options like Dominion and I hope others will, you know, assume, assuming they work with a screen reader, should work with a Braille display, which would give a segment 
of the community access, true access for the first time. And I'm talking about people who are deaf blind who use a braille display. So this advocacy is, this advocacy is real important. <clears throat> you make a very good point. Yeah, I, I, that's something Especially, I'm unfortunately ashamed to say. I hadn't really thought about. Wow. And I think especially for people um, who are doing absentee, because especially if an absentee is accessible, then then a deaf yeah, exa- perhaps exactly, could exactly Terry exactly. Yeah, excellent point, Karen. Thank you. Yes, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. I think oh, the next one is Kathleen's iPad. Kathleen's iPad, but I bet that's Kathy Gerhardt. I bet it is too. Kathy, you can unmute and and talk. Okay, I started without unmuting, but here I am. I moved to Ohio a year and a half ago, and other places that I voted, I've had the experience of being in different states. So I take my uh, low vision down to wherever I can, and, you know, I have different options, but I try to use the machine so that the poll workers will kind of get used to it, you know, because often you go in there and nobody, they've never used the machines that they have, you know, plus it's a lot easier if you have for me to have voice. Um, So I went, so I did that a year ago before COVID and I could walk to my polling place and they got so flustered. There are two guys. Now, the, <laughs> the one, he was all anxious. To, oh, well, somebody will be able to use this machine. We don't know how to use it. And, you know, we nobody's done it. And they, But the other guy got so worked up oops, that he uh, tore off a piece. He got ahead of himself, assumed I was sighted or something, or that, and he tore off something on my ballot and to make a long story short i it would have been a giant pain in the butt and i'm not sure you could do it for him to redo his mistake so i ended up you know doing it with my pebble machine in this really super dark uh little cubby hole kind of balloting place but it was sort of funny, but sort of sad, too, that I wasn't able to do that. And then I, I was talking about my experience on one of the call-in shows. And this guy, another guy, I don't know whether he's low, low vision or whatever. He just said, oh, it was like, oh, you're such an idiot. He didn't say that, but it had that tone of voice. Mm-hmm. I just take my friend in there and he helps me. <laughs> And I thought, well, you don't get what I was trying to accomplish, you know. Yeah. Anyway, that's my little story of Ohio. And I've I've uh, shook things up in West Virginia and Pennsylvania as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, better luck this time because uh, I, I hope so. Yeah. I think there's so much talk about it now and things are so different with so many people doing absentee and mail-in and all of that type of thing. So I want to wish you well with it. Well, I'll probably do absentee like I did for the primary because of the COVID thing. I, I don't feel comfortable waiting in line, you know, going in there and dealing with all the people. But 
Yeah, yeah I, I did early voting in the primary, and, and that worked out real well because you have more days and you generally don't have as long a line usually. Okay, I think we have time for one Wait. last call. And okay. uh, Lynn Coral. Lynn Coral, yeah. Yep. Go ahead, Hi, Lynn. Hi, everybody. Uh, Hello. Um, I got a call um, from somebody in Alaska who I used to mentor in Sodatna, and um, one of the issues was that they they didn't know how to work the machine, and that's unacceptable. These poll workers should be able to use the accessible know how to use the accessible machine. And then she took her um, she was in her twenties. She took her grandmother in there, and they didn't like that either. And then she wasn't even on the voting um, roster. And this is a very important point that nobody ever mentions: that if you have a provisional ballot, it is not counted because they don't see you there. So I told her to talk to the supervisor, um, the regional supervisor. We don't have counties in Alaska. The regional supervisor and make sure that she they have her address correctly and that uh, she gets registered before the November election. And this is a very important point because people do not understand that provisional ballots very rarely get counted. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. That, you know, you do. You bring up a very good point to make sure that everyone knows when voter registration deadlines are and to be to be certain that your information is current um i know a lot of us move during the year and it's probably the last thing you think of um to to make sure you have changed any address that's on it and the other thing that i think is a very important this year for those who do want to go to their polling place is that in I know here and in a few other states that I've heard of, there are going to be far fewer polling places. So be sure to check with your local government, be it county, town, city, what have you, uh, region. Um, be sure to check where your polling place is if you want to go out to actually vote in person. Because it very well may be different this year than what, where you've gone for the last 45 years or something. <laughs> um, and with that, I'm going to thank you all very much. I, as I said in the beginning, for those who may have missed it, I'm going to cut the call a little bit short tonight um, because the ACB board meeting starts at 8 o'clock, and I know several people on here are planning to attend that. And you've got uh, President Trump speaking sometime this evening, and I forget who all else is on is on the agenda for tonight on the Republican convention. Um, but I do want, first of all, to tell you that next week we are having a party here. You remember back in the days when we used to have Labor Day parties and barbecues and pool parties? Well, we're rolling out the la those lazy, hazy, crazy days, and God knows they've been crazy this year. <laughs> of summer, we're going to do some trivial pursuit of, with some music. Um, we've got this about three or four people on these calls that have gotten in touch with me and have wanted to help. We're planning to put together a party for next Thursday night at seven o'clock. It'll probably run until seven o'clock until whenever, because that's the way a party is supposed to run. <laughs> um, and you're all invited and watch uh, Cindy's lists for it. And I'll probably put it out, um, as usual, on several of the other email lists throughout the week. But please come join us. Bring a memory of, you know, of a, of a fun end of uh, summer memory in the past. And, um, 
actually next next Thursday is September 3rd. So with that, I'm going to sign off by saying see you in September. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all. Thanks, Thank Carrie. You all. Thank, Thank you all. Thank you.